equated to the metaphorical concepts of hell and heaven. If you make people afraid of the future, then you are making them believe that their own natural intelligence isn't enough to deal with the future when it is. Our natural intelligence, everyone's, all living beings, is enough to deal with whatever life throws at us mm -hmm. but authority doesn't want you to believe that because when authority makes you fearful it does so it's it's basically a what is it called like a con game yeah it has a hold on you only, only when you're afraid and exactly because it can provide it, something that you can't provide for yourself it's but. it's and more, but more or I was saying more like it's a specific strategy in the sense of it makes you afraid and then offers the solution. Priests make you afraid of hell so that they can have authority over you by being, you know, the conduit to God, which, which, which allows them to be a moral teacher, which allows them to show you how to save yourself from damnation. Yeah, and they, they engineer your behavior. And, yeah. What's up? And they engineer behavior. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They rule society. Like, exactly. Yeah. It is genius. It's it, fucked up. It, it, it gives them. It gives themselves validity, and it makes there be a demand for them. You know. Yeah. They, they, they artificially create a demand for themselves. That is what authority does. By instinct. who began this shit? Like. Well, that. The Romans, I mean, that's no, the no, dude, latest. No, no, goes back. I could, I could tell you exactly who, but, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. God. It started in the Fertile Crescent, man. Right, right. So 10,000, 12,000 years ago from now. Um, Why did it happen? What the fuck? Like, humanity was fucking fine. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. What went wrong? Honestly, what... dude, one of my theories is that it was inevitable what, what? um not in the sense of like it's human nature it is right it was inevitable in the same way that when you have a system of entropy creating something spontaneous like the monkey at the typewriter he will eventually write shakespeare you know <laughs> like you know what i'm saying <laughs> yes like Everything that could have happened will eventually happen. Yeah. And that includes a society having the perfect combination of memes that would allow it to become the civilization that we currently are. Yeah. And it's it's a cynical way of looking at it. No, if, but it makes sense. It's like, it's no, fucking... It does, but I'm saying it's a cynical way of looking at it if that's where you end it. But Terrence oh. McKenna thought of civilization as... It's, it's such a bloody massacre because it is like giving birth, you know? Mm -hmm. And he compares it to that in the sense of like, if you never knew what giving birth was and you saw it happening, you would think that it isn't natural, that it's horribly unnatural and gory and, and pr it's a process that isn't supposed to be happening. Mm -hmm. right. And th it's, I don't say it's out of certainty, but it's, it's a theory that civilization is the birth of something new it's the birth of something 
Beyond Civilization, which is the title that. of the book that I have in my in my fucking backpack. Right? Is that McKenna's? No, it's it's Daniel Quinn's. Oh, got it. Which is interesting because it all ties together. Right, of course. Um, he he gave that useful metaphor, but Quinn elaborates on it further in trying to formulate what the Beyond Civilization would be, and civilization as like civilization itself is extremely antagonistic to a beyond civilization it holds the meme of there is nothing beyond civilization it holds the meme of we can't go back to indigenous cultures because that's in the past and that is primitive and there is nothing beyond civilization because civilization is the greatest invention known to man yeah right um but no D daniel quinn basically says civilization is just a passing thing and he's right we can't go that is that is one of the main things we have to take away from civilization from the point we're in in human history is that we can't go back to like we literally can't go back to indigenous ways of living unless we exterminate like basically 90% of the human population mm -hmm. there just isn't enough land on the planet to sustain the human population living indigenously i haven't thought of that, that makes sense you mean in terms of hunter gathering like, yeah hunter gathering uh, or other ways of living like, got you. Um, no yeah that's absolutely pastoralism, true. like herding sheep and shit right right um the point though is and again it ties back to terence mckenna daniel quinn talks about we have to we have to take our we have to learn from native civilizations because civilization has it wrong. Native civilization, native societies had it right. They they existed and they existed happily and fulfilled for th and successfully for thousands and thousands of years. We can't go back to native civilization and we can't continue within civilization. So we have to learn from civilization to progress to something new. And this is the archaic revival. This is Terence McKenna's archaic revival that, that Daniel Quinn is describing right now. Okay, I see. Terence McKenna talks about how the Renaissance, when, it, when, it, when, when the Middle Ages were in a period of crisis and they wanted to restructure their society, they looked back to the Greeks and the Romans, the societies that had come before. Um, and they, that's that's when the Renaissance was born. It 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 was a it was a looking back. It was an archaic revival, is what right. it was. We are in a period of much, much, much greater crisis, of infinitely greater crisis, of existentially threatening crisis. Right. So we have to look back to our roots, like the roots of humanity, which we have forgotten, which were you know they were erased both accidentally and intentionally over the course of civilization's history mm -hmm. we have to look back to that to basically institute another archaic revival to birth the beyond civilization um i forget how i got all the way here that that's the final point of that train of thought though Oh yeah, why? What were you asking? Why did, why did it all start? Yeah, yeah. 
So Dan, I couldn't tell you exactly, exactly why, but Daniel Quinn. You said you knew who? Well, yeah, it was the, um, I could tell you some specifics. I can't tell you all the specifics is what I, is basically it. Mm -hmm. In around 10,000 BC in the Fertile Crescent, um, were the original, what Daniel Quinn calls the takers, which is basically our culture. We are the takers. Right, right. Natives you are it. the leaders. Yeah. Um, they were the original takers and it doesn't explain exactly like like on an individual ground level how the meme was instilled in the original takers but it uses the metaphor of the bible i explained that to you too right yeah genesis, the Bi genesis is the story <laughs> of the leavers who were conquered by these original takers yeah it's their story of how they how they explained why humans would do something so unprecedented as try to make all the fires of life flow into them right and and doing so try to dominate all the planet and all the peoples around them um and that's another interesting thing is that it, it, it was at the very start that civilization's approach to native peoples was solidified. It's either um, expulse them, assimilate them, or exterminate them. And it has been that way for the past 12,000 years. That is every civilization's approach to native peoples. Because, you know, civilization, it... It is made of expansionism. It needs the land, and so it's going to take the land from everyone. Um, but but if I already explained that to you, like the whole Genesis thing, yeah, that's basically it. That's basically why this all started. That's the start of Taker culture. Basically, um, Adam eating the apple. I feel that there are cultures that have assimilated native peoples enough so that it's like heavily influenced the way you know the general population like sees the world at least enough of it so that it prevents further annihilation um, that's at know, least or at least slows the rate of it it's just a symptomatic remedy though you know like the people within that civilization still have the fundamental means of that civilization no no they're left alone like not everyone i mean most of them were wiped out say in colombia you know like but, you know, there are enough people in power, like, and, you know, and enough people in the general public like, care enough, you know, are educated enough to, like, want to just leave them isolated, you know, totally left alone and not, like, destroy what's the little that's left of, like, these original languages and, you know, so, cultures. It's, you know, it is, it is the tendency of, it is, like... That's, okay, so, so hold up. It's, I, like, going... I, oh, what? I, I totally get what you're going to say, and I'm going to say it instead of you. Okay. So, <laughs> it is... <laughs> Daniel Quinn also describes this. He basically calls it the river of vision. And it is the vision of a culture that basically flows like a river in a certain direction. It is the tendency of civilization to exterminate culture and it may not because 
you know, because factors impede, but the general tendency of civilization is still going to be to expand and to exterminate. But I'm just, I'm not even saying that. I understand. What are you saying? But yeah, no, I am saying that, that like that river, like maybe, you know, what's the word? Maybe there's enough of like an, enough opposition to redirect it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's enough native signs incorporated into the culture, you know, to, you know, I, for an archaic revival, not entirely, but, you know, at least for there to be sparks here and there. And that's what I've seen no, in Colombia. That's, that's, that's great. That's fucking promising as hell. I mean, do you sparks think, what do you, everything. do you think it, like, I don't know. Do you, I mean, yeah, that's how, that's how culture shifts. I, I don't know the, the, um, you know, the whole sociocultural state of Colombia. So I can't make a very educated opinion on it, but, um, but I feel like the U S is kind of a lost cause in that sense. How so? Like, you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree. The U S is like the exemplary civilization. Yeah, exactly. And you know, corporations rule everything and every mind, you know, and they're constantly bombarding everyone Yeah, and they kill absolutely everyone else. Like, yep. Yeah, so, you know. And they continue to. They continue to, absolutely. And not even within their own country. That's know. the thing, though. Um, also within their own country. Yeah, also. But everyone else, like everywhere else. Um, no, but yeah. No, you're right. If it's different in Colombia, that's great. But um, the only objection I would have is that it seems the political system doesn't reflect this at all. It's only different... In, you mean Colombia? Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's only different in Colombia. Not because of the ruling class. Or, no, it's only because, like general population has assimilated enough i feel of indigenous people like and their culture you know that's the thing though i have my doubts here they just killed everyone you know over there it's different like okay still though no you're right here here they had a much different approach to it. on the on the outskirts of pereira for example you can find fucking shamans and shit you know like you know they're oh that's sick as hell yeah i've I've been to yeah, I've been to the fucking rituals and shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's crazy. No, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, they do ayahuasca and stuff. Like, dude, I want to go. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Dude, let's fucking go. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I? No, if that's the case, that's fucking great. Yeah, and that's like a city. I'm not even talking about like isolated places like Cortez. He did go to Columbia, you know. Yeah, for yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, dude, it's like. And he did talk about how, I don't remember exactly, he talked about one of his trips and it was in, in the Amazon, like... Yeah, that was his, like... That was his intro. Awakening yeah. Is what it was. It was. They were eating shrooms off couch shit. Yeah, yeah. Him and his group, and, yeah. It wasn't that one, though. It was the Ayahuasca one. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. He got, like, really he just, sick. He ate the shroom. I, I don't know. I don't know if I got that far yet, but he ate the shrooms off the cow shit on the way to the ayahuasca trip oh shit it's like on the like on the trip damn okay it's like, Yo, that's cool and then you think okay interesting i didn't know that yeah. but okay that's what um one of the books i'm reading is like detailing that whole that whole um journey um no but if if that's fucking perfect man because that's what civilization needs you know Native science is the solution. Native culture is, it is the solution. 
it is objectively the solution to all of our problems. Um, but it's also, you know, the most threatening possible thing to civilization. So, but I mean, you know, it doesn't fucking matter if you can get the entire culture to shift. It doesn't matter what the institutions or the establishments, the establishments want at that point. If, if everyone's on board, then not even everyone. If, 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 a grand, if a great amount of the population is on board with the cultural shift, then there's nothing the institutions can really do to stop it. That's true. Apart from, you know, try to put them down. Yeah, which they you know would end horribly for them, for everyone, yeah, but for them. Yeah, yeah. At that point, like either way, they win. Like not, not you. Know, yeah, you know. they'd be fucked at that point. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, that's a scary fucking thing too. Is that no one, no one gives up power without. That's why they... down everything around them as they fall. You know. Yeah. True. And, you know, to prevent that, I feel that they always nip, nip it in the bud. Oh. Yeah, they try. Yeah, and they tend to... Uh... I mean, no, but to say so is, is a bit um, pessimistic. Like, there's still a shit ton of, like, active groups, man. Yeah, yeah. And, like, huge ones. No, oh, yeah. You're kind of right. Yeah, that's their strategy, you know, they I mean, do whatever they can. Yeah, the government, governments too, not just corporations. Well, yeah, of course, they're, they're in league together, but yeah, yeah. Except they are the ruling class. Yeah, that's not what's supposed to happen, like, the corporations find out that they're fucked, you know, well, it's in their nature, but government, governments are not supposed to be, like... Governments aren't supposed to exist, period. No, I agreed, yeah, but, like... Governments, the very concept of government is inextricably tied to hierarchy yeah governments you're right. will always be corrupt yeah you're right you're right i agree with that yeah totally yeah and not even not even go like even if they're it's not even corruption in government that is the problem it is the very conception of government yeah of the fact that the people cannot be trusted with their own freedom. No, you're right. I totally agree. Yeah. And that's that's the that's something I've literally wrote down in my paper, but it's like that's the myth of civilization. That the people cannot be trusted with their own freedom. That's and perfect. That's the way that the ruling class, you know, gets its power. It convinces everyone that you can't trust yourselves with your own freedom because human nature is inherently violent and nature as a whole is extremely violent. And if you went back into it, you would die horrible, <laughs> painful deaths. And if you didn't, your entire life would be anxiety. And that's not the case whatsoever. And that's something that's, that Daniel Quinn gets into so well, and that's why I want you to read him, is that he perfectly exemplifies how if you offered civilization to indigenous peoples they would be like why like there's no way you can actually like sell me on this shit <laughs> their lives were like 
they weren't what our cultural mythology makes them out to be. They, they, they were the original leisure class. I just learned about that in, or I just, um, my, my professor just said that term today in class. They were literally the original leisure class. They worked for maybe two to three hours a day hunting and gathering, and they spent the rest of their existence just socializing, playing, sleeping, and doing drugs. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is, that is native, ex I mean, I, don't, I, I, won't, I won't generalize and say native existence, but yeah, living indigenously is objectively much, much less work than living within civilization, and objectively much, much less anxiety than living, living within civilization and much better for your mental health, and it doesn't have crime, and it doesn't have government. It's, it's, it is the natural utopic human way to live, and civilization calls it naive and utopic because it is threatening to the establishment and for no other reason. Yeah. I think I told you this before, but hunting and gathering literally expends less calories than agriculture does. Does it? Yeah, per per amount of calories you get back. Yeah, shit. Well, nowadays that's irrelevant. I mean... Not just because of the infinite source of food at the expense of, you know, um, fertility yeah. of land and whatnot, but also um, machinery. Well, yeah, but... You know, people don't fucking... Like, the main sources of, like, um, carbohydrates are not mined. Is, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, him. though. Because... In establishing all of the systems of infrastructure that we did to make it so... Everyone... Still works... I wouldn't even say just as hard as the original agriculturalists. I would say much, much harder and much, much more. Yeah. Like civilization promises you more leisure time because we have all this technology and we have all these innovations and these systems to make it work. And yet leisure time decreases the more civilization progresses. You're right. Yeah. It's not used for leisure time. It's used for, I mean, capitalism doesn't allow that. Like, yeah, it's, no, it's no. used for surplus. Right, right. And that is the basis of, um, surplus is the basis of settlement and agriculture. It is, um, you know, because of the whole fear and greed shit, like, we are insecure that we're going to die because we won't have food tomorrow. And that's the thing, I won't idealize native cultures. They did spontaneously die. They didn't have security. Right. And they were already... But there were, there were, you know, um, I'd say, you know, like... Like the Incan Empire, you know, I mean, they weren't great in every way. Like, were... uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. But they also they had something called, uh, I, I think it was Mita. What? I wouldn't endorse them. They yeah. Still, they are a civilization. Right, but they're not as fucked. Like they had no, um, not for sure. Yeah. Like uh, during the year, I think they only worked like four months. Uh, like oh, that's, yeah, you told me. Yeah. That shit's crazy. And and you know it was it was to basically. A portion of that would go to feeding themselves, and the rest of it, like the majority, would go to the government, you know, and be distributed among everyone. Yeah. And uh, and be stored, you know, in case of shortage. Yeah. 
No, that's Yakuza. And like no one had that's to probably fucking. Probably a good example of what could work as a beyond civilization, you know? Yeah. Because it is sounds sustainable. The problem is they did have hierarchy and they had slaves, but the slaves were like no, they did have they did have that absolutely. Yeah. 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 But it was also way better. Like it was it was. Yeah, it was just it's just I'm it's sure, better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they fell for a reason, too. It's because... It's because it's white people. It's like oh, did the Incan Empire, was it wiped out by white people? Immediately. It, it okay, was in, like, yeah, 20 yeah. years, yeah. No, never mind. Yeah, it was, like, I thought, was, I thought it was one of the other it was like ten civilizations. It was, like, 10,000 soldiers versus, like, fucking 150,000 Incans in, like, in, like, two decades and just wiped everyone yeah, out. Yeah, no, of course, man. Yeah. Um... Regardless, I don't even though, think it was a weaponry. I think it's just a culture, like to just savage. You know, like humans are not as savage as them. Yeah. Nor the Mayans, nor the Aztecs. Like, and the Aztecs were known for being fucked up, but they were not close to Spain. I think it was the Aztecs. Or that was the other one that was wiped out, right? All of them were wiped out by Spain. Well, there were only two civilizations Three. at the time. What was the third? Oh, uh, Mayan. No, the Mayan died much. Before. Did they? Oh like shit! Nine hundred. Okay. okay. Um. Damn, I didn't know that. But yeah, they just they just stopped. Damn. They were one of the American civilizations that just abandoned it. No, oh, they just abandoned it. Yeah, they didn't like. Oh, well, shit. I'm, I'm sure there was a collapse, but then they abandoned it. Right. Yeah, because like, the culture remains. Our civilization remain. doesn't do that. Right, right, right. That's crazy. Shit. Um. Apparently, the Aztecs didn't lose immediately, though. No. The Aztecs. This is, I forget where I read this or what it was exactly, but the Aztecs like beat the Spaniards first. Really? Yeah. And, Damn. Okay. And then only after they had been debilitated by the by all the diseases that the Spaniards brought, did the Spaniards return and then ransack their empire. Oh shit! Yeah. God, it's because Spaniards are disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. God. It's. <laughs> You know, another interesting thing is that expansionism isn't inherent to civilization. It is one of those, you remember how I said, like, it was inevitable that the perfect combination of memes would be baked into a society to create our civilization. Mayan civilization didn't have all of our memes. It didn't have the meme of expansionism. It existed for maybe like three to four thousand years. It existed for so fucking long it was crazy which one mayan empire oh mayan oh yeah okay. it existed until 900 a.d damn and like 3000 bc before that was when it started or something and um it in that time you know our civilization was also growing our civilization existed too in that time our civilization conquered basically all of it spread over basically all of europe and um, all of Asia and some other parts. It basically spread to all the borders of the continent that it could because it's expansionist. Mm -hmm. You know how, how big Mayan civilization got to be? Hmm. It is not bigger than Los Angeles. That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Dude. And it existed for 4,000 years. Yeah. Like it just didn't have the meme that you know what you know what meme it was i like to call it the missionary meme daniel quinn doesn't call it that but that's what it is it's the meme that our civilization is the greatest thing and we must spread it to 
everywhere and everyone. They didn't they didn't give a shit about that. They were just, you know, existing as a civilization. They absolutely weren't perfect either, you know, I'm sure they were had all their downfalls of civilization, but whatever. Um what you were talking about with the Incan Empire though is very interesting because Daniel Quinn in his book Ishmael gives this example of how civilizations are basically, we're testing them. We are testing out the beyond civilization would also be a civilization, right? But it would be a civilization that works. All our previous civilizations, including the current ones, have all been tests. They've all been us. And he gives the metaphor of aeronautics. Um, when people were trying to make airplanes, they didn't understand, they didn't fully understand the laws of aeronautics. So they were just testing different aircrafts and seeing if they fly. And that's what each of the American civilizations were. There were like seven or eight. Um, they created a new airplane. They threw it off the cliff to see if it flew. And when it started crashing down, they bailed and they knew they could bail. Our civilization is basically the equivalent of an engineer creating an airplane, getting in the airplane and throwing it off the cliff and thinking that he's flying on the way down, thinking that he's flying the entire way down <laughs> and being like, no, this is going perfectly fine. <laughs> And then some people in the airplane are being like, yo, I see like the ground approaching. I can see that's, that's, perfect that's the people that, you know, yeah. see the civilization is fucked. Oh my God. And so the guy in the airplane is like, no, it's all right. This thing can fly. We just have to pedal harder. We just have to try harder. Yeah. The airplane will work. We just have to keep doing more of exactly what we were doing. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Oh and, and. And, and they don't realize that they're going to fucking crash. <laughs> they actually believe it, dude. Like, yeah. It's fucking insane. No, yeah, yeah. Have you heard, like, Bill Gates talk? No. It's, it's literally that. Fuck him, no. <laughs> he's, I don't know. Yeah, no, he's an idiot. He's smart as shit, but he's also, no, how do you believe that shit? He's, he's not smart. He's smart according to, what, according to societal standards? I mean, yeah. He is intelligent brilliant. in terms of the left brain. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, sure. That's he's not he is he, he's not wise. He has no yeah. wisdom. Yeah, maybe well, not. Well, I, I wouldn't say no wisdom because, you know, no, yeah, you can learn wisdom from from anywhere in, in existence, but like he doesn't have the profound wisdom needed to understand how society and civilization works. No, nah, you know when he was like he was like twenty something got like copper tax fraud and um he was like shitting himself and crying on camera just what, like what's that he was crying from the camera. not literally but he was he was terrified he was like pissing himself and crying just basically like you know yeah 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 i mean there's like video of him he's just scared as shit because he's gonna go to jail forever yeah and um yeah it was basically they gave him a slap on the wrist they said you know like you know you're too cool to go to prison like Fuck not literally but you know he literally revolutionized the world like yeah fuck that guy no i don't i don't hate him though i think i think he you know his contributions are I valid mean, no one should go to prison agreed also but, but true. 
also fuck their valuation of him over everyone else because oh, yeah. of what he contributed to capitalism. No, you're right. Absolutely. And what he was going to continue to contribute yeah. to the U.S. specifically. <laughs> you, you know that's, um, that's why our there is a career hierarchy. Huh. STEM, social sciences, then arts. I mean, I can get, yeah. in that order. I think everyone knows that. Like, I don't think a lot of people think about it. No. I think no one thinks about it. I think no one thinks about it because of the myth, which, you know, there's a shit ton of myths. One of them is people earn what they deserve. Who says that? Everyone no one. in cap, dude. No one believes that. Dude, yeah. No way. Dude. Who's that you stupid? Got, you gotta realize that, Bro. you gotta realize that our it's clear to us it's clear to us the culture if it was clear to everyone the culture wouldn't exist yeah the culture is That's founded fair. on the myth of god people get what they deserve i wonder how many people I, i've met believe that like i don't know no but you, you, you want to come down with me like let's keep talking and then you know you're gonna get water yeah cool So they just don't like, you know, the career. They don't like put any emphasis on humanities, really. It's like a minimum you have to take. And it's like, literally, I'm not learning more than I already knew, like in high school. Generally. Yeah. I mean, yes, but also, I kind of get it because, like, it's so much shit you have to learn. There's no space. Yeah. But also, you know, it's just the priority shouldn't be to be. Uh, what's the word? A glorified factory worker. Yeah. Because it's literally what they're, you know, training it to be. Like, yeah. I mean, that is all careers are supposed to be Yeah. Except for the ruling class. What's up? <laughs> Fair. <laughs>
Associating it with Mexicans. Shit. Mm-hmm. And reefer madness shit. Like, basically, uh, making you psychotic. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, technically, kill you, dude. Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, I mean, it technically does that. Yeah, it's got higher rates than other drugs. Making you psychotic. Yeah. How high? Like 1%? No, less, way less. <laughs> Cares, man. <laughs> um, alcohol probably has higher rates to be fair, causing psychosis and mental illness in general. It doesn't cause brain damage, also causes brain damage. Yeah, no, no, not that. Um, I don't know. I just feel like weed does make you like lazier than alcohol. Not in a not in a pejorative sense. I mean, during in the moment or. Yeah. Oh yeah, in the moment totally, totally yeah. But alcohol makes you incompetent as shit. Like it's not like it matters. <laughs> well yeah, but um, I don't know. But there was a I guy. Had this there was idea in my head that like alcohol was constructed the same way that America constructed women as like an object of violence. Because, you know, for the same reason, some the working class, because of all the horrible suffering that they endure, have horrible mental issues and a shit ton of pent up aggression. So, just in the flow of culture, in the flow of civilization's culture, women were constructed as objects of violence. Um, in that same way, I I was just thinking like alcohol is constructed as and weed is constructed as something demonic because of the fact that it makes the workforce not work. Um, but I guess they both sort of make you not work. They didn't have the con- we didn't have the connotation of making you lazy back then though when they when they started bringing push propaganda to ban it. It was more about. I mean, it isn't really a connotation. I mean, it, it's a pejorative connotation, if that's what you mean, but, like, it does make you lazy. I mean, yeah, but also, 
people weren't actually like smoking it like it wasn't a widespread thing you know no you know what it is for me Dude, or maybe it wasn't lower class you know what what um no it wasn't a widespread thing but you know the government is reactive and it as a threat um what always comes to mind for me is smoke two joints song <laughs> um every says like, thousand points yeah. yeah. No, when he says like um that one day I met a man oh, yeah. who came <laughs> to me. Hard work good and hard work fine, but first it's Take it's care of it, yeah, man. it grants you peace of mind is what it is. It grants you peace of mind in opposition to your work ethic. Yeah, totally. That's fair. And that's what capitalism hates. Yeah. No, yeah, I kind of see, I can agree with that, honestly. I, I, I feel like I lived that, too. Um, I mean, you know, escapism isn't good either, but, like, escapism is just another product of capitalism. No, but I was, I was, like, fucking getting, dis- I mean, I was getting destroyed, but, like, by, like, it's complicated, like, when I started smoking pot, dude, it was, like, I mean, I don't know, man, the pressure I had was anxiety and all my mental health issues, and then, and then with school on top of it all. Like it's just all the work and energy I was putting in was exhausting. It was like not, you know, it was definitely not healthy. It was, I mean, smoking pot was like healthier than, and not doing as much work was way healthier than what I was doing before, you know. Right. Depriving myself of sleep and shit, like yeah. at fucking what, 15, 16, you know? Yeah. For what? Like, I dropped out anyway, because, <laughs> and it, it doesn't. It's, I know, I get you, man. It's so dumb. I don't know. Like, yeah, that that's not a fucking weed isn't but like anything. Anything can be destructive if it becomes like a habit of of dependence. Yeah. Um And it wouldn't be if it was a different society, like Exactly. No, yeah. dude, yeah, your circumstances were entirely everyone's circumstances are they're just that, they're circumstances. They're constructed by the civilization you live in. Yeah, yeah. All the Dude, the mental health epidemic that we're in, it is civilization's fault. Absolutely, it is yeah. entirely civilization's fault. Yeah, totally. And you know what's gonna happen? What's been happening since it started really is just pills. Dude, yeah, yeah. That's another thing. That is another thing. Mental health within within civilization is stigmatized and othered first off first off secondly mental health within within civilization isn't constructed as it should be constructed in the sense of civilization doesn't recognize that everyone within civilization is mentally unhealthy that everyone because of the fact that they are within civilization and socialized by civilization is extremely fucked up mental health and mentally ill is constructed by civilization to be anything that is volatile to the civilization if you can't work if you start killing yourselves if you know etc etc if you don't conform to the norm the norm being extremely bad mental health, but that which works for the civilization. You mean conditions which cause it? 
like subject yourself to the conditions that cause this, you know, Wait, you know so an average say the full thing again. Like you're saying, um, the norm being, you know, uh, terrible mental health, but you mean the norm being the condition, you know, subjecting yourself to the conditions that cause on average terrible mental health. Like, well, I say everyone is terrible mental health. Oh, you think I so? Say that, yeah. I don't think so. I think it's like sixty percent has a like, terrible anxiety or something like that. Well, I don't. I don't mean mental. Thirty percent is I depressed. Say that shit is, you know, it's it's the outliers. It's the most extreme. It's what's defined by civilization. Okay, but you think everyone is like? I think everyone needs to heal. I think everyone. I think every, I think those numbers are more like. Because diagnostic the diagnostic manual is like based also not only on like the grief suffering but also how, how um it affects you know your what's the word like the your ability to like develop in society kind of as a as a as a constituent and you know kind of like you know what i mean like no yeah if you're incapacitated even if you're you know not terribly fucked up you're still fucked up because you know you're like you know like yeah. i don't know no i guess you yeah i don't know and yeah. i i do agree um which is why because some people are miserable but they're still very functional in that case you know i don't know dude i say i wouldn't say all people because yeah it's, it's a very subjective and fluid spectrum of things like people can be happy and also socialized and also have problems that arise from their socialization that said, I think we are all, no, I, I guess I think we're all very fucked up and that like all of us, just because of the fact that we grew up in a society, in a society, mm, yeah. it's fair. Um, in civilization, um, in a civilization which deprives us of, for example, the practice of mindfulness. That's not something that's taught to anyone. That's something that's taught if you have like quirky adults in your life who will who know that type of shit <laughs> yeah. and teach you it. Yeah, or service, or if you're already so fucked up then you kind of need it. But even then, like quirky therapists, it's not all therapists no, you're who right. teach mindfulness. You're right, you're right. It is just people, it's people, it's individuals that have explored that area of mental health and know about it yeah. it has nothing to do with the institutions the institutions could give two shits about it you're right um um um, um. but yeah that, that's what i mean i mean like we are deprived of embodiment and we are deprived of all the associated areas that come with embodiment like connection with nature that's another that's what i was going to tell you about um the soul i was going to say like mm -hmm. i know what the soul is right. um there was this interesting thing this interesting um description of heart body mind and soul and i forget what the other three were i think it was like the mind helps you like construct your reality like in, ter in terms of concepts and like make sense of it the body helps you like it gives you it lets you um 
gives you the senses to perceive your reality, to touch it, basically, right? Yeah. Um, the heart allows you to feel emotions, I guess, I forget what it is. Mm-hmm. But the soul is what gives it all meaning. The soul is, it imbues meaning in reality. A good example of this is the Cartesian vaciation of spirituality from reality. If you are solipsistic, you believe that no other individuals have souls, right? Like it is just you. I mean... Not necessarily. Yeah. But that's all you know. But you go, I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a vaciation in the sense of you are no longer certain and no longer trust in oh. the livingness of anything else, including other people. Right. That eliminates meaning from, and it's only to an extent in the sense of like in my epistemology class, they talk about how it's impossible to actually practice skepticism. Like unless you're a paranoid schizophrenic that legitimately believes, like you're, you're pra- practically speaking, you're not going to practice skepticism. Right. But to another extent, I disagree because Descartes' skepticism and his split of mind and body and his vaciation of the, of of livingness from all of reality is imbued into the cultural consciousness. Like civilization's cultural consciousness doesn't believe animals have souls, right? I think I already talked to you about this. It doesn't believe animals have souls. It believes plants are basically biological machines. They don't have consciousness, minds, souls, feelings, They have nothing of value, and so we can do anything we want to them. For all intents and purposes, they are not alive. Um, Same for fungus. Absolutely the same for inanimate objects. Definitely for microorganisms, we value their lives. The least you could possibly value a life. Yeah, that's true. Well, no. What about viruses? Yeah, we hate them. (laughs) For good reason. despise them. They kind of suck. Well, yeah, but... No, I know, no, I know. They, they have a function. Yeah. They have value, they do. And that's another interesting and, thing. And the grand scale comes. You come up with the... Ju- yeah, that's not, that's another thing. Yeah, you're right. All discord is part of, on on the greater level, the harmony of the universe. Right. Totally. Um, Absolutely. I like that way of putting Alan it. Alan yeah. Watts said that. How, how do you say it? Um... He didn't say it exactly like that. I have the quote actually. That's cool. Um, but he said, um, like all said, the metaphor he used was like the cells that fight within our bodies, even those are part of the greater harmony of our body that gives us, that keeps us healthy, that keeps us healthy and in harmony. The same way all the discord of our life and all the discords of existence keep the harmony, keep the greater the greater universe healthy and harmonious um what was i saying before this Mm, body 
Oh, how we don't value life. Uh, right. Skepticism. But yeah, another interesting example is viruses. Like, we try to come up with a justification for why they're not living and saying, like, they're not technically DNA, they're not biological. I mean, no one says that, per se. Well, a lot of people say it, but, like... Well, I mean, I'm not saying it's, like, a popular opinion, but I'm just saying it's another expression of the cultural tendency to try to remove the aspect of livingness from everything that isn't human and if we're talking intersectionally everything that isn't a white man everything, in terms of othering you mean something like yeah that. yeah that, I got that's you. exactly what it is it's othering yeah. but othering in dehumanizing right and dehumanizing itself is a misnomer and should be examined critically what do you mean dehumanizing like the, the quality of being human gives you worth as a living being ah got you yeah well yeah no you're right um, i mean that's how people yeah that's like yeah that's the issue it's anthropocentric no i understand centrism is the basis of our civilization yeah you're right Absolutely. and native science doesn't view it that way at all you're right you're um right. that's something cool um this guy that Jen and I would go to, um, yeah. well, we went only a few times, but Jen would go off and then, um, she t talked about like how, like, you know, all the rocks had like a history to them and they had like, you know, they had some personification and they had some symbolism to them and like, yeah, yeah, they, no, that sounds sick. Yeah. Like they had a story to tell kind of. Dude, um, yes. Yeah. That's another thing is that. They were grandparents. I'll show you this other fucking yeah dude yes yes that's exactly what it is yeah. it's it's that's biophilia and it's there there biophilia is also you know it's it's just a term our civilization came up with and it's not it's not perfectly but it's you know it, it's it describes it somewhat it's the native idea that everything in the universe is alive everything period not just not down to microorganisms everything rivers and mountains and you know the solar system and this aspect of livingness personally i justify this aspect of livingness not only through you know my personal connection to um no let me rephrase this i have two ways of I guess in in more concrete terms in more um, rationalistic terms for the rational mind justifying this aspect of livingness hmm. though this should not be the only exploration of this aspect of livingness one is the universal spirit you know like mm -hmm. our concept of it that the universal spirit literally flows the fact that we fucking came up with that is insane. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was all intuition. It was all intuition. Yeah. No, it was all fucking rationalism is what it was. Yeah. And we true. got there somehow. Like, you know, crazy. you know how, but you know, you know, I used to say this all the time that when I was younger, I used to say, I didn't, I didn't, this is how I worded it. Um, but the way I like came up with these like. I mean, what I, 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 like, I don't know if I just put myself on a pedestal or what, but I, yeah, like, yeah. thought my ideas were, like, the shit, you know, and, like, the way I came up with them was, like, you know, 
I would just feel that they were right, and then I'd work my way to them, arguing, you know, like, yeah. but, you know, I would, I would first know that they were right, and then I'd try to explain why, kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally fair, man. That's, yeah, yeah. That's intuition. That's intuition. It's it was totally intuition. intuitive. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I know I still have that, I just don't, uh, I just kind of, like, left that behind now, because, like. No, yeah, because because our culture's epistemology convinces you that that there is that it's invalid that you need to have rationalization for a thing to be concretely valid yeah totally especially when you're trying to talk to someone in a moment you know like trying to yeah and people then there's like pressure exactly that's what it was yeah it's in response to that pressure no yeah yeah, yeah. but but no that's you know you should absolutely encourage that yeah yeah Jen's all about that. I mean, intuition and shit. Like, yeah. And it, we had we conflicted a lot because I had you know totally kind of forsaken that. And with Jen, I guess I, yeah, I tried. I guess I tried to return to a bit. And also, also with the uh, the rock thing, like I was, um, my sense of spirituality was very still science based. You know, yeah, yeah. it wasn't. I was doing psychedelics and stuff. It wasn't like non-existent. It, it right. definitely, you know, there was depth to it for sure. And but it wasn't um it was was hard to fathom yeah and i I was also one to still break down the world you know all the time like you know yeah yeah and And she wasn't dude breaking down the world is what eliminates spirituality yeah you're right you know yeah and that's that's i think that's why one of the main reasons i was like so i like needed to be taking psychedelics constantly you know yeah yeah because that's like your primary way of understanding the world yeah no that makes sense man yeah 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 and i think that's also why i haven't had to for a while you know yeah because like i've been like developing that shit yeah fuck yeah man yeah that's sick i don't know when that started though i mean it doesn't matter yeah there's no such thing as a beginning that's fair yeah no that's absolutely true yeah um going back to like biophilia Apart from the Great Spirit, the other one I was going to tell you about is um, the creative flow that flows in everything. Yes. Because, and I guess it'll be harder for you to fathom since you don't fathom it yet, I guess. Um, But it is... Did you define the soul? Well, soul is just, you know, great, is the universal spirit. Do you think that's it? Absolutely. And that's what is the universal spirit? You mean like the observer? Yeah, the the exact, well, they don't, they don't really go into observer, but they, without the concept of the observer, they go into essentially the exact same understand which is that we all have souls everything in existence has a constant soul um not not an individual soul a single unified soul when you die basically it's what alan watts talks about too there is no such thing as the ego the ego is an illusion i am everything um native science understands exactly the same way right when you die you dissolve back into the universe you are everything and, and yeah, that's how, that's that's how they attribute livingness to everything. And it, that's it's not just like that rationalization is how they attribute it. 
this is, you know, it's everything in native science is understood intuitively and profoundly and holistically. And all the understandings are synergistic and extremely interconnected and like constantly in development. So, you know, it isn't, it isn't one justification for why everything is alive. Everything is alive because they know everything is alive because they feel it in their bones, because through the holistic process of native science, which is using every faculty of human, you know, every faculty that we have to know the world, that is what they came to know. Yeah, right. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but the spirit and, and the creative thing that I'm going to explain are two of the sort of rationalizations that my mind came up with. And they're not rationalizations as in I need them to want to fathom that everything is alive. I feel like I can do that on my own pretty well now. Mm. But they're more just what, what you were talking about. They're curiosity and they're, it's very cool to rationally find these patterns that validate what you can intuitively feel. Um, the second one is the creative flow of the universe. And it is the idea that the universe breeds creativity in chaos and that is how everything came into existence and we are this one of the steps in that process and so is life it's not just that evolution is like a random thing that happened i mean yeah for one it's not just that evolution is a fluke it is or is it not no 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 fluke is what do you mean so okay evolution i think it is random like no it's it's random it's random that's not what i mean i mean um it is not trivial okay it is it is not it shouldn't be considered trivial or fluke in the way that our science constructs it as a fluke in the way that like life coming into being is just something that happened to happen for no reason at all okay like it's it's a natural tendency of the universe it's a natural tendency of the universe for to create life. yeah like, and life is got it that makes sense and and the 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 more nuanced qualification that i was trying to get at with this is that evolution and genetics and dna and that whole system of progression isn't just you know it isn't just the monkey at the typewriter thing of some random complex system that happened to come into fruition. Hmm. It is down to its very bones, a reflection of this exact same creative tendency. It is, yeah, it's that. It's an expression of the creative tendency. It is, it's like an arm of the creative tendency. It is, is, it's a development of it and it it is creative in the exact same way is what I'm saying evolution is made of the exact same creativity that lies at the foundation of the universe life is made of that exact same creativity and so everything all life that has ever come into being plants animals dinosaurs microorganisms everything is an expression of the creativity of the universe an extremely direct and intentional expression not intentional in the sense of like a conscious god but even then the fact that i make the qualification of 
not intentional in the sense of the conscious God is me robbing the animism from the universe. It is conscious. It is conscious. But you don't have to personify it, but I do understand. As in, no, I mean, like, we shouldn't unpersonify it either. I We shouldn't personify it in the delusional sense of religion. Right. But we shouldn't rob it of animism the way scientism does. Right. It is a living thing. It oh, is, okay, I understand. It is an ex- and it is, it's like what I was talking to you before, like, it is something that can be experienced by the great spirit, by the universal right. spirit. Right. Just like I am experiencing this body. Yeah, right. Um. That's so weird to think about. Right? Yeah. Dude, it's, it's so fucking cool. I love it. Because, <laughs> like, um, why do we... I don't know. Why do we, like, have... Why is our experience all centered, you know, this extremely complicated, complex system, like, you know, Wait, infinite... Of infinite, like... Why, why is what? Complexity and what? Say it again? I didn't hear. Like, we have fucking, like, petabytes of information just... Complexity. (laughs) Terence McKenna's tennis. We're a miracle. That's what Alan. That's how Alan Walsh described it. I'm just saying. And he also described your question of why our consciousness is centered in this. Um, No, not just this. This like fucking the ego. Yeah, not even ego though. In a psychedelic experience, but even like with dissolution of the ego, like what you still experience things through your your fucking. You know, you know. Well, no, no, actually, no. Well, I think of it as this, bro. Dude, I think of it as... No. What? No, go ahead. (laughs) I think of it as, like... Like, there's a point. Mm -hmm. This is just how I visualize it. And the entirety of the Great Spirit is like... It's like an hourglass. It's like that. And it is being channeled up through into that one point the point is my lifetime my body you know it is being channeled into the experience that is me and it is experiencing all of that and then when i die i'm just going to return to the to the timeless infinity that is the great spirit and it is being channeled into everything across all of time and space all at once and I am just one of those channelings, you know? If that makes sense. Yeah. That was it? I mean, it's not its not meant to, like, make sense of it, but it's just how I visualize it. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how fucking huge the universe is. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, thinking about the universe in terms of this this is what I meant when I said like it is useful to explore sources it's just because fleshing this shit out increases exponentially your appreciation for everything yeah that's fair that's that's, that's valid that's a good yeah and I, I take it as like like you can inc- increase your imp- your appreciation for any topic by becoming an expert in it, but I take this as the thing, you know. Like this is our existence, and 
we have been deprived intentionally of appreciation for the beauty of all of nature and existence and our own existence because you know in doing so we try to fill the hole with consumerism mm-hmm. and with everything else that the capitalism very much takes advantage of that emptiness um so yeah. an exploration of this it is, depends on it too it, it causes it what's that yeah it absolutely causes it it causes it and takes advantage of it right um it needs like it. It, it does that for everything you know yeah, yeah. actually supply and demand that could, supply and demand <laughs> dude <laughs> It ties exactly back into that. Yeah. Because I talked about fear and I talked about how they construct hell and it makes you greedy. I didn't, I mean, they construct hell and it makes you fearful. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk about greed. Greed is that. Greed is once you become fearful, greed is heaven. Greed is once you become fearful of the future you begin to long for control over everything absolute security unattainable fantasies like a perfect afterlife for doing all the good things you were supposed to do on earth where you experience nothing but pure happiness forever that is heaven why do we idealize yeah because you know it's that is literally the definition of the perfect human fantasy right not really no not at all but like according to greed according to greed i feel like that's how we're raised for sure absolutely that's not that's not what it's not inherent to us man for decades yeah like i don't know man it seems so delusional dude it is (laughs) and that's i was gonna say it's not inherent to us it is a part of our culture that idealizes the want for this sort of indulgence, the want for greed. Mm-hmm. And the reason it does is for the same reason that authority makes you fearful. Authority makes you greedy in making you fearful, like your least greed, because when you're greedy, it can promise you anything. Authority can promise you anything it wants. Religious authority promises you heaven. All governments ever created within civilization promised you security and salvation from nature, from the constructed violent condition of nature, which doesn't exist. The demonization of nature means everyone's afraid of nature, means everyone wants security, security from the insecurity of nature which does exist but you know people were infinitely fulfilled and happy within this insecurity of nature and that's you know that's how life lives um and they want security from each other because humankind is within capitalism and civilization constructed like like how hobbes constructed them constructed us as inherently warring and aggressive and violent we're not but you know it, it serves the system um you know another interesting thing hmm. 
and it has to do with that idea of insecurity and life mm. is that all life exists you know fulfilled and happy basically in its natural state like it is born into the perfect playground for life life is constructed for life is constructed for life mm -hmm. like it all grew together perfectly synchronistically synergistically in tandem it's all interconnected and all grew for each other is the thing um so when we if i was an animal living in the natural world when i was born i would be born into this perfect playground where i get to eat whenever i want to eat um where i can you know all my urges are filled like you know how fucking kids are constantly anxious in classrooms like that it's 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 animal it's it's just if you live in nature you have a constant infinite playground around you to do anything and everything with you constantly fulfill all of your urges our animal natures are that's that is that is the primary reason one of the primary reasons why i think civilization socializations are extremely harmful to everyone is that on a fundamental level we are beaten down and shaped from the moment we are born into what society needs us to be yeah um what I, that's not at all what i was going to get out originally though um this is basically just me describing why life before civilization was literally heaven on earth um but then civilization came around and um once they had this meme in their mind that all the fire of life must flow into them the metaphor that i usually use for it is they basically tried to become the new gods they tried to deem what is good and bad and of course being humans this meant they, that they get to deem whatever is good and bad based on what is most comfortable for them um essentially it is this meme that is the original sin that made us sinful, you know? Yeah. Not inherently. Even us born into this civilization, it's not something we inherit. It's, it's something that's forced onto us by culture. Culture is the original sin. Civilization's culture is the original sin. And it makes you... I won't even say that because you can escape it. It's it's not even it, it tries to keep you in it, but it's nothing permanent. Um Yeah, the whole concept of the original sin is extremely problematic in and of itself because it tries to affirm that humans are inherently doomed to failure. That's another thing Daniel Quinn talks about. Um I'm just going on a lot of different tangents now, but that's another thing Daniel Quinn talks about is that the narrative that civilization that humans are inherently doomed to failure is used to justify why civilization has all of its flaws war horrible genocide mental illness crime corruption 
everything wrong with civilization is put under the umbrella of humans are inherently doomed to failure. And so that is why civilization, when it sees native societies and when it sees you trying to, you know, show how they are good, it says, no, you are idealizing them, you are making them utopic. And it's because native societies aren't, it's not just because native societies are threatening to civilization, it's because specifically they are threatening to the myth that humans are inherently flawed. Also, I think to, yeah. But if what? No, that also to accept, you know, to, to even entertain the idea that they're, oh, not utopic is to accept that, you know, this is a living hell. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it isn't just, it isn't just life on earth that is encapsulated within the culture of civilization. This is why I fucking hate Descartes. Because he caused this. <laughs> well, I mean he didn't he didn't cause it single handedly. That sounds hilarious. He yeah. was he was the expression of culture. Hate Descartes. He was I do. No, he fair. was the expression of culture that caused our current culture. He he is he is basically the um the stepping stone from that version of culture to our modern version of culture. You made math a lot easier, so Fuck I, I give him a pass. Alright, fine, whatever. <laughs> but what I was saying, what were we talking about? Fuck, I got lost. Um, no, no, okay, okay. Living hell. Yeah, living yeah. hell. Life on Earth. Mm -hmm. Culture isn't secluded. Culture in, in civilization's culture and what it describes doesn't limit itself to life on Earth. Through Descartes, it established the existential philosophy that existence is a fluke. It is a random occurrence that biological life just happened to appear in the universe for no particular How, reason at all. I don't understand. No, no, hold up. Okay. He didn't say that in particular, right. but it's all part of the same narrative. Right, right. So, um, that it, that it all happened to they just happen to appear yeah. and um, and that nothing is truly alive yes nothing in the universe is truly alive and what is truly alive this will attribute to Hobbes is hostile to you everything that is living that isn't civilized is hostile to you and wants to kill you this will also attribute to Darwin's survival of the fittest. They took survival of the fittest from him, which he mentioned twice, and they didn't take the 96 times he described nature using the word love. Did he? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Um, you know, because, because it serves capitalism. Right. Um, So yeah, they didn't, so basically everything is either dead or hostile to you. Essentially, this all boils down to the myth that we, that we live in a universe that is meaningless, that is cold, and that is out to kill you. And that is, that is our cultural myth. That is, our, that is the myth of our cultural consciousness. That is what everyone one way or another inherently believes and you know if they don't they're in the minority and they're defying the culture and it doesn't fucking matter 
Um, and yeah, that's, I won't, I actually, I can't contribute it solely to the card because yeah, there was a lot of different thinkers that made that up bit by bit. I hate Plato, I mean, it's fucking Plato. I, yeah, I fucking hate Plato. Yeah, you know what yeah. Descartes was trying to explain Plato? Was he? Yeah, he was trying to um, reformulate Plato's like heaven of ideals in, in like a, I guess a, a um, rejuvenated sort of. Revive. Trying to re yeah, he was trying to revive it and reformulate it. And he, okay. he succeeded very much. Yeah. Like the, the heaven of ideals. Dude, you should totally read my paper just for that. I get into, um, I basically equate the heaven of ideals to the mindscape and this sort of void of abstraction that the rational mind operates in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just I just like that conceptualization a lot. But that's a different topic. Um, essentially, yeah, Descartes, Hobbes, Darwin, unintentionally, and the culture as a whole constructed this. And I can send you another article on this that explains it a lot better than I am. Um, but they constructed this vacillation of the universe. Um, What's a vacillation? Like emptying. Oh. I don't think that's an actual word, but whatever. Um, and it led to three primary things. And I'm forgetting exactly what they were in order, but I'm gonna try and think about it real quick. Okay, yeah, yeah, so I remember. The first one is that because of the fact that we have no biophilia, we have no animism, we don't recognize the universe as being alive, mm -hmm. And because of the Cartesian split, which is the idea that mind is separate from body, and as a reflection of this, humanity is separate from nature, and the two should be as separated as possible. We have... That's not even... That's Plato. Well, yeah, you know, Descartes played off Plato, but okay. Descartes imbued it much more into... He re-imbued it, if anything, or multiplied it into the cultural consciousness. Okay. Um... But it's it's called the Cartesian split. It's like a, is it? Yeah, it's a thing. Okay. Um, but um, um, because of all this, humanity and every not humanity. I won't say humanity at all because it's it's kind of fucked to attribute all of to to say that civilization defines humanity. Like native cultures didn't don't believe any of this shit. So yeah, civilization and civilized humans, because of the Cartesian split and this vacillation of the universe and the idea that the universe is dead and there is no spirit in any of it, um, is basically left thinking that they are alone. They are completely alone mm -hmm. in the universe, uh, not even with animals because animals aren't allowed to be alive. They, human beings, are completely alone within the universe and solipsism is only an extension of this. I, the ego, the me, am completely alone within the universe. Not even other humans, just me. Which it, it really goes to show how civilization culture is completely down to its roots, ego culture. It is the othering of the inanimate universe, you know, animate natural objects, um, plants, animals, microorganisms, 
other races, race being a construction used to other, um, women also construction used to other, um, disabled people, elderly people, everyone that is an oppressed group within society has been othered because othering is the natural tendency of ego culture, of civilization culture, and all of this eventually, or not eventually, but naturally, um, also expressed itself as solipsism, the othering of literally everything, period. The othering of everything in existence, you know? I don't understand, like, I guess this is a problem with science, and also it has been for centuries, but, like, how did, how did the search for truth, like, dictate, like, all reason, like, thereafter, um... What do you mean? Or dictate like the, the... Enlightenment search for truth? I guess so, but even because before that, even, I, even from Plato's time, like... Dictate all of what? Like, all, like, after, after... Upon every, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's a dumb thought, but like upon every, upon every step in philosophy, you know, upon every... Like, that's how the culture and the science was dictated after the step? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, there's no... I know, think... I wouldn't say it's causational. I say... It goes, say it's, it's linear is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't branch out ever. Like, not not, not majorly. I mean, it does, absolutely. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like Linear, what do you mean? As in, like, you go from one step to the other, you don't go from one step, and then maybe you go back of it and fucking, like, re, you know, like... Well, okay. Question every... No, well, you I do sometimes, and that's no, revolutionary. No, no. But, you know, that's not what tends to happen. Though. Yeah. No, um... I, I totally get what you're saying. So... I'll, I'll take this step by step. So for one, just to clarify, I don't think, I think philosophy was only semi-causational in causing the subsequent culture and science, in defining subsequent culture and science. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that the subsequent culture and science was affected by the ripples and waves that that philosophy like sent through it. But I also think they're all part of the same culture and they all evolved in the same direction not independently of each other right but in interconnected with each other because mm -hmm. yeah yeah they're all expressions of the same thing right 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 um in that same vein the culture progressed naturally like for example, the step from Plato and from Christianity to enlightenment is a natural step of civilization culture, of ego culture. Because e in essence, all it is, is separation from nature. And by nature, I don't mean life. I mean existence. Existence, the universe, all of the natural world, nature, all of those are synonymous. And civilization culture's existential approach is domination of nature and to dominate nature you must other nature and so you do that by separating yourself from nature by creating as wide a gap as possible from yourself to nature i see that makes a lot of sense yeah um And that, that also kind of skips ahead to the third thing I was going to talk about previously. I like, see, though, like... Isn't, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, how solipsism is in itself, like, 
They're all, yeah, delusional they're all also. interconnected. They're yeah. all delusional. Yeah. Extremely delusional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all based on this inherent mistrust of nature. Right, right. And, you know, in skepticism's case, mistrust of experience, the physical world, the body, the carnal, like Christianity, you mm. know? Christianity mistrusted the carnal. Right. The same Hates way it. Plato hated the body, the same way Descartes hated the senses. Right. Um... And contrarily, native science, there's a very interesting quote that I'm, I'm going to try and paraphrase. It roots the entire tree of knowledge in the soil of direct experience with the natural world. It is all about, it's about the opposite. It's about direct touching of the natural world, complete and utter trust in all of your naturally granted faculties and in all of the natural world in all of the external existence and to even call it external existence this is what i was talking about with, with like the other day perception blending into reality to even call it external the external world external reality is to other it there is no external world hmm. we're all part of the continuum my perception of it is part of that same continuum just the way like my dreams and my thoughts are just as much part of reality and existence and nature as everything else is as like the trees like they are just animal expressions of my natural intelligence right perception is an animal expression of my natural intelligence so is dreaming so is intuition they're all part of that same creative intelligence that is the lifeblood of the universe you know Right, right. If that makes more sense now than it did like an hour ago. Yeah. Um, and what you mentioned about, what we were talking about, about like how civilization does this because it needs to, to be able to dominate nature. That is, that is literally what the Enlightenment did. It was just a step in that direction. By vacillating the spirituality and the animism from nature by saying that it is not alive, you objectify it, you turn it into something that can be processed and commodified, that can be, you know, completely raped and put on the production line, that can be most efficiently turned into all the fires of life for humanity you know mm -hmm. and the second thing which i skipped over to get to that third thing i just explained the second consequence of the cartesian split um the first one was of course the um us feeling stranded in the universe us feeling like we are alone feeling um basically disconnected from our mother which is the universe itself we are children of the universe um, but no, the second thing is epistemology. It is, and it ties into what you were saying about the rock, the grandfather. Yeah. Um, native sciences consider basically that everything in nature, every little thing, um, not only other humans, but trees and animals and rocks and mountains mm -hmm. all offer us something 
they all teach us something because they are all different, extremely complex expressions of the same underlying creative intelligence. Like, this is a, an oversimplification, but like the rigidity of a rock is an expression of the creative intelligence of the universe and has something to teach us about existence. The same way a tree, the way it grows and the way it changes with the seasons and the way deers act and bears act and other human beings, everything in rivers and mountains and clouds and the sky and stars and, you know, everything has a different thing to teach us in that they are all different expressions of the creative intelligence of the universe. Um, so essentially what I'm saying is native science saw nature as a teacher. Let's juxtapose that with the enlightenment which in vacillating the universe, in objectifying the universe, and this is another interesting thing. I'm getting all of this from this one article that is another thing I'd love for you to read. Um, and it talks about how mother nature is both gendered and racialized when juxtaposed against humanity. Okay. Um, but, but just to extend this um, gendered notion, which connects to what she called the rape-murder dynamic of us with nature, is that we view, not we, enlightenment and civilization views rationality as a masculine probing device for which to probe the um, both fertile and virginal, this is the way civilization constructs nature, the fertile and virginal nature. Nature is the object that is to be dominated by rationality, that is to be penetrated and in more literal terms dissected by science, by Western science. It's to be taken apart. It is, it is no longer a teacher, it is an object of study and it is an object of study that we are completely separate for, from. Native science not only sees it as a teacher, it sees us as a part of nature, as a part of that continuum, and it sees the gaining of knowledge through nature as done in interaction with nature. You can't gain knowledge as like a unbiased or separate spectator. It's impossible. Native science recognizes that. It recognizes subjectivity of knowledge and how in interacting with nature and trying to gain knowledge from it, you do it through experience with it, through touching with it, through touching it, through in relationship with it. You change it and it changes you and that's how you come to know nature. Um, meanwhile, enlightenment sees it differently. Enlightenment sees it as nature is separate and isolated from us and we are going to view it objectively because that's somehow possible in the eyes of the enlightenment. Um, and we're going to probe it and it's going to be an object of our study and we can learn nothing from it as a teacher. We can only learn from it as an object of study. It's not even like, like that's such a downgrade. It, it's not like from teacher to student, it's from teacher to object of study. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fucking shit, man. And I was only getting into like three of the sources, dude. <laughs> shit. I mean, to be fair, I I went. That 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 encapsulates a, a a huge fucking deal of basically everything we've been learning. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, that that was basically just drawing from three sources as well as my sort of generally fleshed out understanding of it all um from all the other sources do you feel like the other people like in your major no 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 really i don't think anyone gets it as good as i do dude. <laughs> i'm not surprised at all um yeah no Damn. it sucks no no that's not true actually i don't i can't say in my major I, i've met everyone in my major right but um for one the sociology major is not like this. It is just Phoebe Godfrey, the professor, that is like this. Um, okay. Even though you know other 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 sociology as a whole does lean towards environmentalism and social activism and all that. Right. But I don't expect anyone but Phoebe to be as entirely comprehensive and like in depth with this shit as she is. Like, she right. really gets it. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. You ever talk to her like, about it? Dude, dude, yeah. That's I great. I talk to her constantly. That's so cool. Um, in my second class, which is of 40 people, I don't think anyone gets it as good as I do. But in my first class, for a lot of them, it's their first class with Phoebe, but it's only like 15 to 20 people. And they're all, they all seem very much invested in it. Cool. Um, That's good. So I don't think they get it as well as I do, but not for lack of trying, just because like this is their first class. Right, right. Um, and you've and been I'm, thinking about this your whole life, kind of. My so, whole life, yeah. In a way. Also, yeah. You know, we, yeah. they probably have too. It probably led them to this, but um. Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, that's how I got into it. You that's know, how I, you was get I was led to it. Right. You you get led to the stuff you're interested in. Yeah, that's fair. Um. But no, yeah, I, guess so. I, I, pro yeah. I, I won't overestimate my own smarts. I'm sure there might be like some people that given the amount of like if they had taken the amount of classes that I had might have definitely not the same understanding, but like an equally in-depth understanding of it. Right. Um, yeah, no, totally. I guess so. Yeah. But no, yeah, they all seem... They all seem very invested in it, is what I mean. So I think they all have the potential to get there. And apart from that, like my understanding, despite the fact that it's so nuanced and intellectual, it only has to be because of the, um, you know, the circumstance that we live in, that, that we live in a civilization. But I say this to mean that, um, Hold on, hold on. I say this to mean that in two, like, I, my understanding of it, just because it is so mind-centric and intellectually nuanced, shouldn't be valued over the intuitive understanding of, you know, like, native obviously. people that don't, no. not even it's that, not like, a dog. Yeah, you're like right. A dog probably gets this better than I do. You're right, you're Not right. Not even better, but like, you know, they fathom it to an equally respectable degree. Agreed, totally. 
Oh, I told me that agree, yeah. No, it's awesome when you say that too, yeah. Yeah. At least you recognize it, like. I mean, yeah, it's it's easy to fucking like gloat in the ego of 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 your intelligence, but you, intelligence is constructed by civilization. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like, what I don't get, like how 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 does science not objectify nature? Like it does. No, but how do you get around that? Like, oh well, you don't, you don't, dude, you don't have to necessarily. Like, here's the thing. Western science, or better said... Look, what's a native scientist? Okay, okay, hold up. Uh, you should definitely read native science. They've explained it much better than I do. Okay. But let me answer the first question, and then what's a native scientist? Science is inextricable from the culture, sure. But Western science doesn't have nothing to offer. Western right. science is an extremely developed form of the mind. And in that, it is extremely useful, and it, it shouldn't and cannot be ignored. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, it just needs to be balanced out. That right. is the only thing. How the fuck do you balance? You, you something so advanced. Science. No, it's, it, it's not about undoing Western science. Right. It's about undoing the underlying social, socialized, like, cultural, the socializations that are... That, that usually accompany Western science and that definitely are imbued into Western scientists. Um, and it is doing this alongside learning about native science because, because native science teaches you all the other epistemologies, that of the heart, body, mind, spirit, you know, mm -hmm. it balances it out. Right. It isn't, it isn't about lowering native Western science. It's about, gaining an equal respect and giving equal footing to the heart body and mind that's a good way to put it heart body and soul perfect that's that's actually yeah yeah and this is dude that's that's what i this is what i was trying to explain with like defining soul it isn't defining soul like like the metaphysical soul within us though yeah sure spirituality the soul but i think of soul more as the animism i think of soul more as not only the animism, but the accompanying meaning, like spirituality and the soul literally give meaning to existence and everything, single thing in existence. Like they give, they give meaning in the sense of like, like a life is meaningful. Like my life for, for just for being alive, I am meaningful. A mountain is meaningful for the same reason. It's like the antithesis of nihilism. Exactly. It's exactly that. Dude, yeah. exactly. Nihilism is an expression of enlightenment. Right. It's, Agreed. It's it's all it's the a consequence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a con it's an expression. And there's nothing beyond that I feel. Like beyond nihilism? Yeah, I don't think I mean I don't think enlightenment has more to offer after like nihilism is the Yeah. It's just a void at the end of it. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a void. It's Dude, it is the juxtaposition of the existential way of view of enlightenment way of viewing existence as like a void versus native way of viewing it as everything is infinitely full, you know? Right. Yeah. It is also mistrust versus trust. Right. Like, sure, you can over rationalize things and according to the mind, nothing can be trusted, but it doesn't fucking matter. 
Like that is just you choosing to mistrust. Mm -hmm. Trust, on the other hand, is like absolute trust in reality, in what existence is, you know, in in touching. That's that's one of the, my favorite metaphors for how I've redefined knowledge is it's touching. It's touching through the heart, body, mind, spirit. It's it's just it's like touching of the heart would be me like for example becoming emotionally connected with the pug. I came to know the pug extremely emotionally and deeply. Yeah, same. That is yeah, that's yeah. that is touching the pug with the heart. Right. Touching with the body is literally with the senses experiencing the physical world. Touching with the mind is science. Science, you know, Western yeah. science. I got to see the pug today. Yes. Today? Yeah. Because, you know, I, I went home. Oh, yeah, I'm going there, too. You are? Yeah. When? Today. Today? Yeah. What? I have to, um... Today? Go to a dentist appointment. Yo. You know, Wednesday. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, damn, all right. When you come back? Yeah, I gotta come back before seven. Fuck, I might go over here. Just plug. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go really early though. I'm gonna go at like twelve. Oh, no, or like eleven actually. Nah, eleven thirty. Fuck. Obligatory attendance. Um, I could use my um, depression accommodations, but it's worth it to see the plug. It's, you know, I don't know. No, I'm good. Anyway, what were you, you know saying? I, let me reconstruct this. Huh. Um, touching another being is not just touching of the heart. It's also touching of the soul. And I want to make the distinction that there isn't a distinction. And for, for, for um, native science, you, also, you always got to constantly recognize that everything flows into each other. And you cannot try and keep things within firm conceptual boundaries because that's not how existence works yeah all of existence is a continuum right um so like knowing the pug it's a compass know, that's it's the compass it's a, yeah. it's a compass and not like a structure you know like is what i'm trying to say it's really? meant to guide it's not meant to yeah yeah no you're right you're right you're right yeah yeah and you know the fact that it's a circle there are infinite points between each right thing um but yeah, like knowing the pug is knowing him both emotionally in terms of the emotions we both feel and knowing him spiritually in terms of recognizing him as a living being and, you know, respecting the fact that he is alive. Yeah. And knowing that, I guess deep down, I don't know, maybe I'm... Yeah, no. What? I mean, I don't know if it's, it's best to leave it at that or also say like... You know, knowing knowing him through the soul is also like um recognizing that you're perceiving him like that you're how do you say it? Like I'm gonna open this window a little bit because okay. it's really hot in here. I don't know, least, like perceiving him through you perceiving him through himself, like Wait, you know, say that again? Like when you say you perceive, I, you know. I think I get what you're saying, but. You same. know, like when you say the universe perceives yeah. itself through you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with other it's, people yeah. in the plug as well. No, you're right. Everything I mean, I felt is that. perceiving in... everything through itself. Yeah, yeah. And that includes you with the plug. Right. I just felt that with my, with Jen on the one trip, like. 
And with dogs too, and trees, and I don't know. I love psychedelics too. Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are that. Hook. Dude, that's why psychedelics are so fucking cool. They perfectly exemplify this shit. It's just, I mean, it's hard to think. Like, I don't know, man. You think animals are like, they just live that all the time? Like, um, essentially yes, but not, uh, not like absolutely. In the sense mean? that, um. This is a whole other interesting topic. There's so many interesting topics regarding this. But um, animals aren't... We try to... Justify our dehumanization of them by saying that they are absolutely not human. Right. However, animals have proven to have symbolic language, concepts, consciousness, um, art, religion... They have religion. It's fucking insane. What the fuck? Dude. What do you mean? Um, so this is this is a complex way of saying it. It's definitely not religion in the sense of civilization's religion. It's religion in the sense of native spirituality. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Which animals? Mammalian? Or... Um, I, I couldn't say which specifically, but I know monkeys. Okay. Monkeys. Um, I remember, this is not a good example, but I do remember they, they do some sort of like make some ritual structures out of stones but the better example that i think is extremely exemplary and, and like beautiful as fuck is that it's it's called like the waterfall dance and basically chimpanzees for no utilitarian reason will go in front of waterfalls and just dance in front of them for hours <laughs> and that's awesome yeah it's it's beautiful and they won't even necessarily do it socially which shows it's not just like a social bonding thing they just do it because they are appreciating the sublimeness of nature yeah yeah that that's another that's another thing with it that is embodiment bro and that's another reason why i think embodiment is so fucking necessary is that it allows you a channel through which to appreciate the infinite sublimeness of all of nature right i agree with that entirely yeah that's the i mean that's the that's the main gist of it i don't know yeah i think it's the main gist of it like this one like makes it fulfilling in the first place like, yeah but, but I why else do it like it it is that you know it is because the external world again external world shouldn't be used but like i just mean like nature apart from like just yourself is you know it grants you the beauty and fulfillment of sublimeness it grants like you can appreciate the sublimeness of nature and that's beautiful and it's extremely fulfilling and all that but embodiment also you know it grounds you in time and space like when in our society because our rational minds are so fucking overstimulated and over encouraged we exist in the mind like, we spend shit, shitloads of our time in constant anxiety, in the realm of abstraction, in the realm of the mind, in the realm of thoughts, distracted by our thoughts. Right. And that includes in the realm of the future, mm -hmm. because, you know, the rational mind, left brain, thinks in terms of goal orientation, it thinks in terms of regretting and processing the past to anticipate and plan for the future. Right. It doesn't exist in the present. You're right. Yeah. Embodiment is all about 
the right brain. The right brain exists constantly and purely in the metaphoric mind, exists constantly and purely in the present moment, both temporally and spatially. Spatially in terms of grounding yourself within your physical body, um, and it's not just body, but also heart, you know, feeling all your emotions, um, and spirit, you know, like recognizing all of the spirituality, all the spirit, all the life that is around you. Um, and um, that's spatially and also temporally, you know, present moment, pure present moment. Mm-hmm. not past or future which is what the rational mind loves so I would say embodiment isn't it is definitely absolutely for appreciating the sublimeness of nature but it does this in conjunction with and through reassociating yourself with reality with reality with I, your I place it. in time and space no totally totally yes um Monkeys have religion. Right, okay. Um, so they build structures. So, so yeah, they dance in front of waterfalls. I don't know so much about the building structures. I didn't look too much into it. But, okay. yeah, they build religious ritual structures, too. And what was the other thing you said? Religion and what? Um, a lot of other things. They have consciousness. I just learned in my epistemology class, surprisingly, not in my sociology class, that some animals like crows... And this, this all applies to some animals, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a spectrum, you know? Right, spectrum right, right. On which different animals fall for different things. Right, right. Um, crows have individuation, which is, I didn't entirely get it, but it's basically the foundation for conceptualization. And it basically means that they have concepts. They can differentiate they can count basically mm. they can count in terms of numbers okay um, that's crazy and yeah no it's 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 wild I, I couldn't give you the exact example and i couldn't prove how but i trust my epistemology professor enough to like to know this shit um he gave he gave a an explanation i could try to explain but i don't get it enough to really explain it too profoundly but yeah they have individuation which is the basis for conceptualization um what it's basically doing is saying that the crows don't perceive everything as sheer as a continuum not necessarily anyways in the sense of like they could generally but they also have the ability to individuate you know Mm -hmm. um All this is to say, I think animals generally, and to a much greater degree that we, than we civilized humans, do perceive reality as the sheer continuum, um, as constant embodiment. Even, especially as constant embodiment, I think even all these animals with human quote-unquote characteristics still don't, to any lesser degree, experience embodiment. I think the diminishment of embodiment because you know native peoples absolutely experience the same amount of embodiment right it is it is just socialized into us to not experience embodiment um 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 but i just found that very interesting because animals basically what makes us human doesn't make us human 
you know we're not special we're much less special than we than we like to think yeah everything that we have other animals have in lesser degrees and there's a very interesting quote about this which was basically a shrimp talking to a human and the shrimp said like how many neurons and how many nerves do i need to have a soul and a little bit of rationality you know mm. like and this is something that i was when i read that shit i swear to you i have it in my notebook i wrote in like huge fucking letters like i told you so because what? i remembered in my philosophy club um they were arguing i only my philosophy club like way back in eighth grade yeah, I remember. They yeah. Were arguing about like um who's the example of like the pill that makes you turn unconscious like the pill that shuts off your spectator and then the body just keeps working okay yeah yeah as it works like turns you to ai kind of yeah got it and this is basically how i under like i understood this um Oh, like, one thing, it just gets rid of your sentience? Gets rid of, like, sentience. your spectator. Okay. So your mind and body behave exactly the same. Got you it. just fall asleep, you know? Yeah, yeah. You fall asleep, but the mind, to everyone else, it's exactly the same. Okay, okay, I see. Um, and at this time, because, you know, my understanding of all this wasn't as developed as it was now, I basically called this spectator consciousness, and I attributed to this consciousness um. Like, this is what defines human existence or something like that. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it, it led into the argument of... And I remember I talked to you about this, like, on our vacation to the U.S. at one point. Okay. Um, that, like, why do humans have consciousness and animals don't? Did humans just magically at one point get consciousness? Like, that's not how evolution works. Like, it's gradual. Everything is gradual. And no one in my philosophy class seemed to understand this, including the professor, Christian. Everyone was like, no, like, like, if, if animals were conscious, they just didn't fucking get the point. They were just saying some argument about, like, if animals were conscious, like, sure, maybe they're conscious, but that would just mean, like, they're all hiding it from us secretly. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm fucking saying. I'm saying, like... Everything exists in gra in gradations and graduations. Consciousness too exists in graduations. Right. Animals should have consciousness. There should be some animals that have lesser degrees of consciousness. And there are. I didn't see it that way for sure. You didn't? No, I, I was no not by, not back then. Nah, I definitely did. I just that's great. You know, I, I, it just seemed to fucking, I don't, I don't get how, how it could have been, you know, that humans yeah. had consciousness. I think, I think the way I saw it was like, and I'm guessing the way they saw it as well, and most people, I don't know, maybe, yeah. is that it's in, like, there are graduations of intelligence, and that, you know, there, there's a line you cross. Like a step up. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. There, yeah. there are no lines crossed in evolution. I mean, there's a, there's a. I guess you're right, like, rather a leap is made, and somewhere along that but, leap... yeah, like, why though? Why oh, does a leap, what, I don't know, then, that's what they're talking and about, like, language and... other animals make lesser leaps? Yeah. Which they do, 
and right, do, that's spell, yeah. Do, 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 do. I don't know, but uh, I mean, no, I do, I do agree with you, that. You, like, yeah, but you're playing devil's advocate. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, I th- this is why I lean towards the stone ape theory, is because I think it would make perfect sense in the understanding of this. Oh, is that? Why do humans have such more developed? Why do they have a rational mind? Like a rational, a rational mind in the sense of like what we define as the human rational mind, which is all these different little aspects: language, consciousness, um, individuation, conceptualization, all these different things. Right. But developed to such an extreme extent that it is notably different from all other animals. It's still on a spectrum. It's still on a, a, grad, a gradation spectrum. But like, why is it so much greater? It's, it's because for like a, a, um, a period of maybe a couple millennia, which is nothing in the scope of evolution, humans or our ancestors um, developed a symbiotic relationship with psychoactive plants psychoactive plants which literally change the physiology of the brain and this symbiotic relationship over generations essentially sped up not sped up because that's not how evolution works it's not it's not like it's not building towards something mm-hmm. but like Essentially, it overdeveloped the this aspect of the brain, our ability to process things abstractly. And and yeah, it would just it would just make a lot of sense for why that leap is there, you know. Why would it though? I don't quite. How does evolution play into the? Um, I mean, it's not natural selection at that point, right? Well, it is, you know, because psychoactive plants make you better at seeing shit. That's the, that's the argument Terrence McKenna gave, and he, you know, he has a basis for it. There was a study done in the 60s, and... He gives, I can show you a video, I think he gives a bunch of other little arguments, um, yeah. There was, there was a, he says it improves visual acuity in the sense that right. it improves contrast. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and um, it wouldn't like make you more, less susceptible to camouflage or, you know, it's not or even to that. move more. It's like you can, I mean, it is that, but it's also like you can also see, you know, you can, it's delineation. That's what it is. Right. It allows you to better delineate things, which right. means you spot your food better. Yeah. It can't hide from you, basically. What's that? It's just, it can't hide from you as easily, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And that's, like, may seem like a small thing. Even if, if it is small, it's it's still huge, you know? That's, like, yeah, that's how evolution works, right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I think there are also a bunch of other little things that I'm forgetting. Oh, also that, um, so, yeah, this is it. He explains it in different degrees. We started taking mushrooms a little bit, and that increased visual acuity. It was mm-hmm. microdosing. Right. And then we started taking them more, 
and that caused orgies. That yeah, you caused... told me. <laughs> no, yeah, you didn't tell me. I read that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. He talks about it in the same video. Yeah. Um and basically all the all the um yeah, all the human like if you in hyper increase productivity um reproductivity, like of course. There that's that's um yeah, that <laughs> but what traits are being passed down? Like what so you have some symbiotic relationship, okay, but how does how is the brain altered like Well dude dude no no hold up hold it's on. Not, it's it wasn't not... just a symbiotic relationship is the thing. What he's saying is it was a very specific he's he's narrowing it down to a very specific actual like historical period okay. when humans who were tree dwellers experienced environmental pressures and their forests were degraded and they went into the savannas right. looking for more food. I remember that, yeah. And, and while following ruminants, one of the more food. what the mushrooms were one of these, right? The while following ruminants, like you know, um, what's 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 ruminants like, uh, like cows and buffalo. Oh, and yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, oh, over yeah, long yeah. periods of that time, exactly, yeah. they'd shit and then, um, and yeah, you look under mud pies for fucking bugs and shit, yeah, right. And they, they already looked in mud pies, and or even you don't even have to, you just see a fucking you see food on, on shit, you're gonna eat it, yeah. like, yeah. If you're starving, like... This is one of the arguments that Terrence McKenna also gives for the consciousness of mushrooms, which I can get behind because I, I believe the universe is animistic, um, is that they saw humans eating in mud pies, and, I mean, they didn't see, but, you know, creative evolution worked its magic or whatever. And um, the mushroom bloomed in the place where the monkey would look for it which is in the mud pie um but that's a whole other topic. it's not a why do we call it a mud pie it's it's it's, it's literal shit or, i mean not mud pie cow pie is what we call it oh okay yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah um cool, cool, cool. so yeah they 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 had increased visual they were pressured to eat these mushrooms which gave them increased visual acuity and then when they ate more of them, they had orgies. And then when they ate even more of them, they had extreme psychedelic experiences. Right. And they had these constantly over thousands of years. Like everyone within the community was taking mushrooms constantly for thousands of years. Right, right, right. But how does that... I mean, you know, for a single person... Mushrooms change the physiology of your brain. Right, but why would that's not passed down? It doesn't change your genes, unless it does. Unless it does, I don't know. He said it did. He said, you know, that's I, his, I that's the argument he gave. It was that, epigenetics, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't see it not. It does happen. Um, yeah, it does happen. Over thousands of years, is bound to do something. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, dude, of course, like, over thousands of years, even if, even if, like, it doesn't change the, um, the structure of your, actually, wait, let me think about this for a second. Okay, I have a possible theory. Hmm. Um, I have this concept which I made up myself. 
Okay. Called the gravitational, but I told you about it. Gravitational butterfly effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, everything affects everything constantly uh-huh. and completely. Um, and you know, it, it's basically just a, a, um, a way of better describing the interconnectedness of everything in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way this could apply is if your mental if your brain is changed by the psychedelics even if it doesn't change your genetic structure the evolution will sort of like that's gonna it'll 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 shape around that you know no in the sense of like if your brain is working a different way for everyone in the community, mm-hmm. it's going to affect how natural selection works in right. one way or another. I can see that happening. Why would it tend towards increased brain density and size? And... Well, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's... So you're saying for... It could just be the thing that happened. It could be, but what's why, why, why mushrooms and why not fucking... I don't know, yams. Well, like... I mean, because mushrooms grants you, you know, extremely abstract thought. Like, incredibly abstract right. thought. Right, but... I think it is through abstraction that we gain the rational mind. Yeah, I think so as well, but also... It's about it's about passing it down. That's, that's the... How is it passed down? Epigenetics is the only thing I can think of... But, yeah, and that's what they're well, no, he gave. I mean, I'm, I'm saying it's passed down because evolution like shaped itself around. I understand what you're saying. The shaping of the individual grains throughout their lifetimes, and it was this over the course of generations and generations. But how does years. how does that happen? How does what happen? Like how does evolution? Well, I'm just saying. I'm saying evolution does that based off of the fundamental principle that everything affects everything. Right. Okay. Everything in the universe. As you know, rippling waves. So you're saying it could be that way, but you don't have a reason for it. You don't have the yeah. the way, like the pathway for how. I no, I don't. All right, that's that's have, valid. I don't though. have the that could be rationalization, but I can see it happening. I guess. Okay. Okay. Um. Also, this is kind of related, but also kind of a separate thought. Huh. Um. Native peoples for the first hundreds of thousands of years. This is when dogs were domesticated. Yeah. Um, cats were domesticated in Egyptian times, which is why they're so much more independent than dogs. Okay, right, I've heard of that, yeah. Um, but essentially, dogs were with humans for so long that they shaped, we were actually, we were in a symbiotic relationship with dogs all over the world. Right. And they shaped the way that we evolved. We evolved symbiotically with dogs. Right, right. Like, like, isn't that fucking crazy? It is crazy. At the fundamental level of, like, our humanness, we are influenced by this symbiotic relationship with dogs. Yeah, that is insane, yeah. No, that's really cool. That's wholesome as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yes. And then we had to go and deform them. Dude, oh, I fucking hate civilization. Yeah, same. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, why? Yeah, let's not think about that. The pug's fine, though. Yeah. 
at least like he's okay enough like he, he has no he's chilling yeah he's chilling yeah. <laughs> he can actually do strenuous fucking exercise like he doesn't oh, get tired <laughs> he's good yeah um He's buff as shit, like, he's so muscular, what the fuck? And he pulls you on a skateboard, and like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, I was giving that as an example of, like, you know, symbiotic evolution. Same with psychedelics. I'm thinking we evolved symbiotically with the mushroom for a couple thousand years. Yeah. No, I get it. I just don't get how. Well, yeah, but like. I get it's a possibility. Like, what is the alternative? Is what I'm thinking. Epigenetics, and that's no, what things are kind of stood by. I mean, I'm I'm thinking epigenetics and that butterfly effect, and you know, symbiotic evolution. Right. All interconnected and played a role in in the development of the abstract rational mind. But right. I'm saying, what is the alternative to the stone ape theory explaining the leap? Oh, no, there is none. Like, there are alternatives, and they're just as far-fetched, honestly, from what I can what tell. What alternatives? Um, I was, in, when I was taking the, um... Also, I gotta go to sleep soon. Okay, okay. When I was taking the Spanish literature courses, uh, for, when I was, you know, studying Spanish in Colombia... Yeah. Um, we saw... A thing on linguistics and it was like on how I mean there was a course on linguistics and, was, and one of the sections was on like on how um humans uh, I don't remember too well but it was basically that um There was an argument for why we started producing sound in the first place. Um, sound? Yeah, like, you know, like... Our, yeah, like, our, our voice boxes aren't, like, you know, they're not... Normal. Yeah, they're not normal yeah. at all. Other animals aren't able to do what we do, you know, like... Like, even if you taught them how, you know, if you were able to, they wouldn't physiologically be capable right, of doing so. Yeah. Right, Um Like, the breadth of noises and shit that we can make, you know... It's like for communication. Right, it's, yeah, it's meant for it, basically. And, and yeah, um, like, I don't know, there was the argument that, like, we began with sign language, right, that it would be more practical as well if you're hunting, you know, yeah. that's when you'd be, mo when it'd be most beneficial for your species right. to communicate, right, and, like, how does that evolve to speaking, um, I don't know, but also, um, yeah, after, after, um, you're able to like communicate basic ideas you know not even ideas like just basic you know signs and whatever yeah. um through like noises um that you know that can increase in complexity such that like you get a series of sounds to express a concept and you know from there you can get a from there you can abstract infinitely you know so you get language yeah. and and language is what, you know, made the explosion happen, kind of. But I feel like it doesn't explain the brain. Like, even if we had the, um, 
the voice box capacity for it? Like, why did we have Like why why such a leap? Why is our consciousness so much more advanced than everyone else's? Yeah. I mean you could say it happened for, you know, over thousands of years, the voice box evolved with the brain over time, like as communication increased and complexified. Right. But again, why us and why only us? Why are we so much ahead more ahead of everyone else? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, let me think. Um, it all would have started at the same like point that the, the shit with Terrence McKenna's theory starts, right. you know. So we descend from the trees. I think part of it also has to do with our posture and the reason we're erect. Right. Um, I mean, from what I understand, like, the reason we're erect is because we would, like, um, look over, like, the tall grasses with savannah for predators, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, to be constantly in that position was more beneficial than not to be. Right. Right. Um, you know, because you don't want them to see you and you not see them, you know, so. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But I don't see how that relates to the language so much, like, um. I mean, I could see it all. I just—it's the leap, man. That's what yeah. And then tool making also, you know, opposable thumbs. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Posable thumbs, I think, no, would I explain mean, a lot of it. Like, I don't know. Like all the shit you can do. Like other animals make tools too. That's true, but not not so fine. Like other animals have opposable thumbs. Not like us. Like chimps okay. can't do like I this. Think, Alright, yeah. No, that... To be fair, though, we were still monkeys when we came to... Like, right. not monkeys, but like, you know. Yeah, we agree. weren't us. Mm-hmm. So we still have had opportunity to evolve. So I'm thinking, like, all these other traits, you know, came along after we evolved the abstract mind. Right, like, the posable thumbs, why would that even develop if you're not, you know, working with your hands? Right. Like, I'm you know, they, they all, they're all, they're all expressions, they're all... Oh my god, what if, what if people got high on mushrooms, and then they started, like, making shit, and, yeah. like, <laughs> and they'd make, like, they'd be more well, creative in their well, inventions and whatever, yeah, while they're high, and they'd make, like, sure. cooler tools and shit, like, so they invent, like, like the culture's taking shrooms, they, they managed to invent the bow and arrow, what? I don't think the bow and arrow was around yet. Oh, I know, <laughs> but, you know, they can make, like... I don't know. No, maybe not. But let's say, in in that case, you know, they're, you know, um, you know, you can only get so far in your ideas based on your physical capacity to produce them, like materialize them. And if you have like thumbs of a fucking chimp, you know, like what are you gonna make? Like, yeah. And and so it's like the increased levels of complexity. Once you have posable thumbs, I'm saying it could have been the motivator to make the tools in the first place, like you know, psychedelics. I, I agree. And if, if no, that were the case... I mean, I'm saying indirectly. I'm not saying they did it while they were high. I'm saying, like, psychedelics evolved the brain and... 
But how would it evolve however, the brain? However they evolve the brain. Hold the on. only way it could evolve Hold the brain on. is if it provided, you know, a greater source of nutrients indirectly. And if it also... Well, I do think it provided a greater source of nutrients just in being one of their food sources. And if it's favored to survival with more intelligent, you know, species, more intelligent gradually being you know the case like well, one intelligent, intelligent not, individual not intelligent that's... uh higher brain density okay uh and brain mass like brain brain mass yeah uh, gray matter mass and uh, wrinkling wrinkles or it could be like epigenetic epigenetic also absolutely yeah I yeah there are so many ways that, it could I go look into how possible epigenetics is yeah i have i have fuck i don't know if i cited it but yeah i'll i'll, I'll try to find a study um it's been really debated until like recently, but um, it seems that it can be passed down. Like, basically, how it works is like you you have the genes right, and like you turn them on or off yeah. depending on circumstances, and uh, that whether or not they're on or off is passed down. You know, yeah. and like no, that makes sense. yeah, but it's also the case that like they found some cases I I think where it can be. The gene can be turned on for like hundreds of generations like that's the revolutionary thing i'm talking about like that happened recently yeah um but like that's not what tends to happen i mean you know at least that's not what's been easily observed um it's it's been maybe a generation or two and then it turns back off again or back on you know right right but if a gene were to be say you know like it would it would all like on or off for so long it would alter the behavior of a species it could you know for thousands of years like you know because it would be on or off for thousands of years like if you just turn it on or off though that's like a it's not progressing anything what do you mean if you turn a gene on it's just the one gene you turn on it's not like evolution it's you're not it's like pseudo evolution no but it could cause it could cause a change in traits of the like species that follows okay you know like and then that could alter behavior or whatever and that can okay. have like a yeah, I guess you. yeah. No, that makes sense I, i'm mostly seeing it what if like well, this, no. gravitational butterfly effect yeah like it just it impacted somehow better said it doesn't really matter how psychedelics when consumed absolutely had an impact on the brain because that is what the psychedelic experience does and in increasing hyper increasing you know abstract thought this through one way or another sent ripple effects throughout the behavior the structure of the brain perhaps epigenetics just the entire life and existence of these chimps which would lead to the, the, the development of their brains and this is you know a very roundabout way of saying it but i'm pretty sure james mccann was literally just saying epigenetics yeah i think so too i think he was um also i gotta go to bed now okay it's like 1 30 and i gotta wake up early he he literally said me i think mutations like is what he used. oh yeah you did I'm, use that term i'm pretty sure yeah yeah so you know maybe. yeah it's literally epigenetics yeah, i mean he, he was a professional in his field too he wasn't just a hippie that's true that's so true yeah